It's in what we do that changes our life. It's not in knowledge. Knowledge mm. equals absolutely nothing. It's in the doing. It's not thinking my way into right actions. It's acting my way mm, into yeah. right thinking. There is not a drug, a pill, or a shot mm. that will ever make a life meaningful. There isn't. When I have a higher power working in my life, my life becomes limitless. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. My name is Monty Hook, and today I go deep down the rabbit hole with Blue Dagan, an alcohol and drug addiction recovery coach. With a lot of dark and deep tales of his own addictions, Blue now supports people one-on-one, as he says, going to hell with his clients in a last attempt to save their lives from addiction. Some very heavy stories, but a fascinating interview with some very unexpected lessons, shining a light on some of the deeper and darker aspects of human psychology that can help us all. Guys, you will be surprised at the punchline and theme to this episode. Very powerful stuff, so make sure you tune into the full episode. Guys, head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to my ebook, The Exponential Entrepreneur. Abraham Lincoln was quoted as saying, Give me six hours to chop down a tree and I will spend the first four sharpening the axe. This is a concept I've been obsessing over for the past five years. How to scale your business and actually take on more projects, all whilst working less and living a life you love. I'm now very fortunate to have multiple businesses that all run without me, and I spend my days sharpening the axe. That's doing things that I love, like surfing, working on my spiritual practice and health, learning, and doing podcasts. So if you are an entrepreneur and you are interested in the strategies required to scale your business, but with you actually working less, and most importantly, cultivating a life of spiritual abundance and freedom, then head on over to www.montyhook.com and get free access to the ebook now. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back down the rabbit hole. My name is Monty Hook and I'm your host and I'm in the studio in Bali today joined by Blue Dagan. Nice to see you, Monty. How are you, brother? I'm really good. Yeah, no, really, really well. uh, good to meet you. Um, you were saying before you've been in Bali for a long time. You've been here 15, 16 years. Said you got a one way, well, you got a uh, you got a two way ticket, and then you yeah, never got back on yeah, the plane. Round trip ticket, and never went back. Yeah. So you're a pretty permanent fixture here in in Bali. Yes. I'll yeah. So you work as a um, alcohol and drug addiction recovery coach. You really work very intimately with people to right. overcome these deep deep addictions and right. you've obviously got your own s- stories and your own experiences that you've been through which has led led to that um so yeah give us a snapshot man give us a snapshot into you know what what that past was that led you to what you're doing now and what is the what does it look like now for you oh man that's a really wide broad uh, question what led me um well from the gate i always felt different you know, I always felt like an outsider looking in. I never felt a part of anything. You know, I started escaping through comic books, you know, and drawing books at a very young age. There was always chaos in my house. So I 
started escaping into this imaginary world, if you may, you know, and uh, and taking myself to a, to a safe place, you know. Um, and as soon as I grew a pair of legs, I was out the door. Yeah. You know, and I started, yeah, literally started hanging out with a very, very young age. Um, I found that animals such as dogs, I had a, a relationship. Uh, straight relationship with them because they never lied and yeah. they were always in the moment they were always, always loyal always loyal always happy to see me always with a wag you know wagging their tails with a smile on their teeth and and that's it you know i kind of like disassociated from my my closest family if maybe and um you know just basically yeah yeah so you were so when was it that you because obviously you got to you what led you to this work is you having your own story about you know substance abuse and addiction um so when did that start for you and, and what was your substances of choice oh man uh you name it I, i've done it um i started at a very young age actually um i grew up in israel you know in israel there was no drinking age i started sneaking uh, my grandpa my grandfather used to smoke cigars and drink brandy and i used to sneak a few uh, shots out of his brandy. I remember the first time I've ever had a drink and I felt that ease and comfort that produced by that alcohol and it gave me that sense of belonging. I could breathe for the very first time. You know, my anxiety went away. Yeah. I don't quite, I can't quite tell you how it tasted if I enjoyed the taste, but sure as hell, it, it felt like this warm spirit within me. Mm. And it felt like everything fell into place. I could... I could breathe for the very first time, you know, and, um, and there was, and there was this side of it that, that was kind of like, it was like, can I get away with it? Mm. And I felt like I was mature again. I was, I was a man, you know, I, you know, I was the rebel. I was cool with it, you know, and nobody needed to know. So it was my little secret, you know, mm. and getting away with it. And uh, yeah, at the age of 12, I had my first joint, uh, Lebanese red, you know, and uh, growing up in Israel, the Mediterranean, and right next door, you got Lebanese hash and uh, rolling that stuff up. We didn't even have to light it up. It was just like, man, pure Lebanese candy, you know, and, uh, and, and loving that, you know, and it became the norm, you know, at age of 13, drinking uh Playing quarters with volunteers that would come to my kibbutz and, and Germans and Dutch and English and, you know, all of them I'm just um, having a good time. No last call and jumping on a tractor at five o'clock in the morning and working the fields, you know, at 2 p.m. We're already up playing quarters, you know, yeah. and just no last call. And, um, and growing up in that environment, you know, running around barefoot, nobody locks their doors. You know, I grew up up. The Northern Territories, right next to a river, and uh, there's a sense of freedom there. And since I mean, you could really do pretty much what you want. But again, growing up in a small community, everybody's got nothing better to do than talk about everyone else. Yeah. So you know, it's kind of like took it upon me to be the black sheep of the family, or that kind of was thrown at me. But three boys, and all three of them getting in trouble all the time. And yeah, that's pretty much it. You know. <laughs> So how did you end up in Bali, man? Well, um, well, I came here with my own plans and I just basically stayed. Um, the island basically took me on, like uh, loved me back to life. I saw parts of me. I came here with the LA mentality. I was living in Los Angeles for 17 years beforehand. 
And I got into the system, you know, of what basically uh, drug addiction, alcoholism gets me to, uh, jails, institutions, and, and, and ODs and all that good yeah. stuff. And I became a creature of habit at that, you know, and then I, 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 what happened, like, you know, I end up in front of a judge or I end up on parole or on probation for many, many, many years. And then I, my, my older brother was here at the time. He was, um, he was doing, uh, making some clothes around here. And my younger brother was here at the time. And, and basically they said, uh, why don't you just pack light? Don't bring your ski mask, leave your boats at home, you know, leave all that there and come on down here, you know? And I showed up here, you know, and I had to sit with my back against the wall because that's the kind of environment that I came out of, you know? I would never sit with my back towards the world. I need mm -hmm. to know who's coming from uh. what door. And it's, it's subconscious, it's embedded in me so deep. I don't even, you know. And all of a sudden I'm coming into a place where people are smiling at me, like, you know, smile. <laughs> Those muscles did not work in years. Yeah, it's and like real smiles. The real smiles, yeah, you know? Yeah. And the whole environment is smiles. And it's like the first reaction to that is what the fuck are you looking at? The second is yeah. what the fuck are you looking at? And the third is FBI, CIA, KGB, do I know you? Yeah, it's like, and throughout time, it's just, it starts dropping mm. and, you know, and, and the shield starts dropping, you know, and, and all that fear starts, starts going off, you know, and we start shredding that off and then, and I just stayed, you know, like I said, I came here with a round trip ticket and went back to the airport like four times to change my return. And on the fifth time, they said, Mr. Blue, if you're not going to use the ticket, you're going to lose. And I said, I want you to take this ticket and stick it because it's like, there's nothing really for me to go back to. Yeah. And in hindsight, there's nothing really for us to go back to anyways. Yeah. It's always moving forward. So I use my past as a review mirror. I learned from my past, but... Well, that's it. I mean, yeah. So when sure. you came here to Bali, were you were you using at the time, or were you escaping from that, or were you what was no? Where were you at in that journey? I was. I arrived in Bali with two and a half years clean, yeah. already clean and sober. Nice. That's how I arrived in Bali. I didn't yeah. stay that way. Yeah. And I got here, and at the time, um, one thing led to the next. Um, in around two years and seven months or two years and eight months, I, um, well, I had somebody that I was associated with that mentioned China White. China White is heroin that comes out of, you know, the Golden Triangle. I'm used to black tar heroin. I'm used to Mexican tar. That's where I come from. Okay. So China White is like, whoa, that sounds really appetizing. Somebody like me, you know, I need to qualify for that. It's something that I'm... Whatever the story was, but I needed mm. to try it. And I remember the night that that was in front of me and they offered me a line. And I don't do lines. I stopped doing lines a long, long time ago. I'm an IV user. It's anything outside of that is a waste of dope. Anything outside of that, it, it, it's just, just the way I was wired, you know? And, and I remember... I actually did the line, but the person that offered me that line was an addict in recovery as well. She's been around long enough to have been in recovery and active addiction long enough and have had those experiences with significant others, if you may. And mm. she knew right there and then that that part of the relationship that we've had is gone and it's not coming back. Mm. 
it's not, and it never came back. You know, there, there's something that dies as soon as I take any kind of mind altering substance. The first thing that dies is my relationship with my higher power, my spiritual relationship to a higher power. Anytime I put any kind of mind altering substance into my body, that is, it, it stops existing. Mm. You know? Isn't so. And one more thing happens the obsession and compulsion to use more kicks in. Mm. So it's like, shh, 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 ain't nobody gonna know, ain't nobody gonna know. Well, I know. Yeah. And it's this monster. It's like this. They talk about like a gorilla on my shoulder. I got King Kong on mine. And it's like, I got you. And, and there's no stopping it. It's It's got this appetite. So like when I'm talking about like the only things that recovery and addiction have in common is that they're both progressive. And they're both progressive despite if I'm using or not. Mm. So when I'm in a an A meeting, <laughs> my disease is doing push-ups in the bathroom or in the park and I'm going, I'm going to get you, you know. I got a disease that is so cunning and baffling and powerful. I got a disease that lies to me in a very, very familiar voice. Yeah. My own. And we'll find a way to sneak in there. And it's not only the using it, what happens way before the using, you know. Getting away, my... I'm only as sick as my secrets, you know, mm. and, and getting a sh ain't nobody going to know. And, and, you know, not living a clean life, you know, not yeah. being honest with myself and others, you know, yeah, not being vulnerable, stop going to meetings, stop being of service. All these things fall away and I, I get drift for, further and further away from the reservation before yeah. you know it. So on the, so you mentioned about the, it takes you away from your, spiritual self or your you know your 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 higher power that's obviously from a, a a physical a physical point of view but obviously i mean i i've not you know been an addict in in any way i mean i participated in a lot of recreational party Absolutely drugs weekend you have but I, I i a lot but i cannot say that i ever had compulsions or any kind of addiction but that being said i can't compare myself to what other people are you know uh, what that is like what is that is like for other people but i, I know for myself uh, i i've always had this feeling of you know pursuing something spiritual and i think the the using drugs as an escape was kind of like a uh, a pseudo way of trying to get there even though it it leads you in a different direction like the reason for me taking it, because it, it, it was that kind of spiritual escapism, but it actually sent me in a different direction, right? Because then you just hung over for two days and you feel like shit and, you know, you've moved in the opposite direction to, you know, to spiritual practice. But is, is that why, like when you work with people who are, have been addicts, is it purely like escapism? Are they chasing something bigger? Is it they're just fed up with their lives? Like, is there a is there like a common pattern, or is it just completely different across the board for everybody? It, it varies. I find for me through my own experience, like I don't just like treat the addiction. Yeah. I don't just ask why the addiction, but I go further than that. I go to why the pain yeah. and the pains are always everyone on the face of the planet want, wants two things. They want to love and be loved. Full stop. The end. Everyone. Yeah. The, the trouble with that is that 
90% of the population on the face of the planet did not come from love. Mm. They, they were not shown how actually how to love. The 90% of the population that I've met, the people that are close to me, abandonment issues, mm. you know, feeling not good enough, feeling different and, and coming from a place where either dad or mom, you know, a dysfunctional relationship between the parents, you know, and the kids are used as, as bargaining tools, you know, instead of the, the kids being, you know, a roof of an amazing, beautiful, healthy, monogamous relationship between people, two people who love and respect themselves, the kids turn out to be the foundation of their relationship. Mm -hmm. You're going to stay with me. What about the kids? And that's what society is saying. Well, whatever, you can get a divorce because of the kids. And so and, and as kids, we get affected emotionally, like between the age of two and seven or three and seven, 90% or 80% of my personalities is, is molded yeah. and, you know, and I'm like a sponge that you can't squeeze out. So I take everything on, you know, and, you know, and to come to a place in recovery where I get to see that everybody's done the best they could with what they had, you know, mm. and to own my part and all of it, you know, and to stop pointing. When I got one finger pointed at you, I got three pointed back at me. I spotted, I got it, you know, like, and who am I to judge anyone? Well, it's not about that judgment, that judgment, that anger, that resentment is the number one offender for, mm. for clean out sober alcoholics or clean addicts. We got to refrain from it because it's like when I'm in resentment, when I'm angry, say with you, it's like, I'm taking the poison actually hoping yeah. you're going to die. You know, who suffers from it? Me. Yeah. And 90% of the, I can't trust my own thinking. Like, what am I really angry at that? You're not doing what I want you to do. Mm. Like, who am I to play God in this? You know? There's a bit of bad in the best of us and a bit of good in, in the worst of us. And that's pretty much it. You know? Yeah. So how is, how do you think society then is, is letting, letting people down who have come to this point in their life with it, you know, abusing substances. And because, I mean, what I'm hearing as you're talking that through is that, and you know, my observation is, there's a lot of looking down on people who are addicts. It's like, you know, take control of your own life and, you know, you're responsible for, 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 for you know, for, for, for your own well-being. But I think in many ways, like you said, you know, the society has and the way that we've been raised is what has led us down and led people to that. So what do you see as being how society is kind of letting people down to, to this point where they go in that direction? Well, um, it became a business it's a business. I don't, they, they send me to prisons, mm. you know? So not only am, am, not only do I suffer from a disease, which in a lot of places, they don't look at it as a disease. They just call me a menace to society, but they get thrown me in prisons. Okay. Mm. To, to learn how to become a better criminal. Cause I get out of, out of prison or out of jails with a, with a criminal record. Who's going to hire me? You know, mm. so not only do I have an incurable disease, you're judging me for having it and you're sending me to prisons that taxpayers money are paying for me to stay in. So it, it all becomes a business. What happens is, is we get lost in the cracks. Yeah. 
there, there's so many young kids, young generations who, and, and I haven't said that when I talk about prisons, no one's ever created a worse jail cell or a worse prison than the one in between my ears. Again, I, I know what it's like to be paranoid. I know what it's like to be schizophrenic. And I know what it's like, the, the pain and loneliness, the degradation, the isolation, the depression of what this disease is. Mm. It's, it's a monster to deal with. And everywhere you go, people are looking down at you. You don't go there. Why would I go there? So I look for like-minded people. You know, misery loves company. So does happiness. Having said that, you know, it's the underdog that I'm attracted to. Yeah. The ones that don't judge me, the ones that would drink with me, the ones that would, would snort with me or shoot with me or, you know, they're just like me. Yeah. So I get a sense of belonging there. I get a sense of connection there, you know, a subculture, if you may. I mean, we can take this further. I mean, I, you want to talk about... It saddens me beyond words to see kids these days, like how the irreversible damage that they're going through by having their schools and their kindergartens shut for two years behind some disease or virus or ogo ogo. I mean, dude, I did not come all this way here to have a disease by a name of a Mexican beer kill me and I'm not even drinking. That I promise you, that much I know. I mean, and being, being, being in these places, yeah. but you know, for, for a child to look at their mom or dad and try to have a conversation with them like this. Right, I can do this much better, you know? I yeah. mean, how are they supposed to, how, how anybody, how is anybody supposed to express their truth or how they feel? Yeah. And it's, and, and it's taking the, I mean, we, we, we all know that, you know, 80% of communication happens through body language. Absolutely. It happens through, through, through being able Absolutely. to see this and to like, especially to suppress that on what's a child. Is, what's healthy about that? There's nothing healthy about that. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely not. Beautiful. I mean, if you, I mean, we talk about this a lot on the podcast that, you know, I mean, you know, there's a lot of um, reasons why, you know, the lockdowns are a terrible idea, like kids not being in school, you know, uh, uh, politicians talking about not being able to hug, hug you, you know, hu hug people. And it's 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 obviously fucking nonsense to grandparents to me, are not supposed to. They're in home care. They're they're in elderly care units they're not they can't see their children on the weekend that's mm. the only thing that keeps them alive or they're gonna or they're sick and they die there and nobody's allowed to be with them and right nobody's even allowed to be at their funeral yeah. i mean what a, what a, is this a world that i choose to live in mm. well it's a very um like we if we haven't learned from my history we're bound to repeat it again because yeah. all i'm looking back at is nazi germany okay i don't mm. need to leave, look too far here you guys take the shower go in go on it's the showers yeah yeah literally yeah and but the, th the thing here with what's happening here and you know this is taking it down the rabbit hole but it's <clears throat> this if there are people somewhere at the top pulling strings if you know Treating, a, tra treating us all like puppets. I'll just say if to be diplomatic. Okay, um, nice. But it, they're smart about it now. It's They've got the mindset of doing this very, very slowly and manipulating society over 
decades now. Absolutely. So, over, so, and all these things, like it's signaling, like putting a mask on your face is like, it's not just the physical thing of what's happening. It's, a, it's signaling. It's like they're preparing us for. See no evil, speak no evil, hear no evil. Yeah. It's like, okay, this is a signal that, okay, you're not allowed to say anything. Like you don't have the freedom to, to, to speak you'll probably end up paying us to breathe air in the future. <laughs> and if we don't like what you hear, we'll disconnect you. Yeah, yeah. We'll disconnect you. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I mean, the you know, the technology that they're wanting to put in people's, you know, arms and stuff yeah. like this. Yeah. It's like, anyway, there's, there's, there, there's a lot of things going on. But what I'm hearing in you and you, your sharing is that the, 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 the critical kind of underlying aspect that – um, that we're alluding to here is this human human connection, mm -hmm. right? And it is the very thing that leads people, the, or the lack of connection, which leads people down these, you know, maybe negative negative spirals. And it's the very thing that is going to pull us out. And I can't see how the way society's humanity is going with all this, you know, stuff that we're talking about is going to do anything other than disconnect us even further and further. So how do we big picture? Like how do we how do we fix this? Well, big um, question, big question. Big big question, but it all starts with me. Yeah. So what I focus on grows. Okay. And and we repeat what we don't repair and mm. what we allow continues. But in between in that space, I have actually an amazing space right now where anyone on a big screen TV, any leader on the face of the planet that's straight out lying. OK, I got no one else to go nowhere else to go to but to my higher power. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to make that very, very clear. I'm a spiritual person. I'm not a religious person where religion is for those who want to stay out of hell. I'm a resident of hell, okay? I know what hell looks like. I know what it tastes like, okay? And you can take my word for it. <laughs> but, but spirituality is for those who have been there already. Yeah. And they've all let me down. I got one place to turn to. Mm. I turn to my higher power. You want to call it God, call it God. Dog backwards, that's God. Great outdoors, that's God. Good orderly direction, that's God. Um, instead of turning to my higher power last, I get to turn to my higher power yeah. first. Okay. Through prayer and meditation and using this time in this isolation. I mean, we can talk about this for hours. I mean, the horrific implications of this isolation that we're going through right now that have on the recovery community worldwide. I mean, 12 step meetings around the world have been shut down as a direct result of them telling you to stay home. Okay. And it's no secret that the lockdowns are affecting people in such a way that like mental health is mental is, is, health. Is, is domestic abuse is through the roof. Yeah. Okay. You spend enough time with my significant other. Okay. Or with anyone, with your girlfriend. I mean, I can, do it, but I can't do it too much. I mean, whoa, you know, I'm good. I'm not that good. I mean, um, we, we, th there's nowhere to turn. Mm. It's not healthy. It's unhealthy. It becomes a, well, most of those relationships are codependent to begin with. Okay. Mm. It's not real love. It's codependency. It's an idea of love. And I'm big to talk about if I will go to love, let others vulnerability evolve. 
for example, if it doesn't feel like the wind beneath my wings, it's not love. Love is not a need. Yeah. Okay. It's just when, if it's a need, it's a substance, it's love addiction, you know, it's not a substance. Love just is and love people where they are. For example, there's a huge difference between isolation and solitude, where in isolation is the place that I go, we go to die in, okay? And isolation equals addiction, and connection equals recovery. Full stop. I left up to my own devices, do not get to recover alone. Mm. I don't. I, when the I is replaced by we, even illness becomes wellness. Yeah. Me and you is a power greater than me. I don't get to fix myself with myself. Okay. And that ability to connect back to yourself or connect to your higher self happens through that in inspiration of connecting, connecting with other people, Ab right? In balance. Yeah. All in balance. The, the ticket, the, 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 the fiber of anything healthy actually is space. Mm. Is space. Because if I don't give it space, what happens is I lose my connection. I put a person, place, or a thing in front of my relationship with my higher power. I lose my relationship with my higher power. I lose my relationship with myself and I lose whatever it is I put in front of the relationship. It's got an agenda. You Exactly. Agenda. Exactly. I have an expectation, yeah. real or unrealistic expectation from a person where they're just a person. We're all like... We're mammals. I get affected by by the moon. I get mm. affected by the waves. I get affected by traffic. I get affected by pain. I get affected by happiness. I get affected by health. By people around you. But, but absolutely, energetically, mm. energetically. And unless I take the time to actually remove myself and spend time in this solitude that I touched on, to reconnect to the source, okay, to spend enough time with me until I am me again. Just me. So I clear away all the stuff that I got affected by because I can't pour from an empty cup. Yeah. I just can't. So in order for me to be of maximum service to you or to anyone, I first and foremost need to be of service to myself. So how, how do you do that? How do you, how do you, what's your personal way of connecting, you know, connect, connecting yourself back in? Well, because of my processes and what I do, and what I do is something that, um, that was, in a way, slightly inspired by a higher power. Mm. I don't know actually anyone that really does what I actually get to do here. Yeah. So having said that, because I work in such close quarters and with another addict or another suffering alcoholic or another whatever, bulimic, sex addict, whatever, I get affected by them spiritually, mentally, physically, and emotionally. Yeah. And I'm in a very, very sick environment mm -hmm. 24 hours a day. Yeah. And so what happens is once I'm done with it, going back to, let's say, my place or to my significant other, if anything is healthy, I would not go back there. I need mm. to take myself, remove myself out of here to take myself into an environment to the heart of Bali where I get to actually yeah. heal myself first. So that's like grounding yourself. 
Absolutely. It's, yeah. it's shedding myself again, shedding a lot of this pain that we just processed mm. and a lot of this emotion, emotional turmoil that we just yeah. went through. What I like about this, I just want to highlight this because I think there's a really cool lesson here because what you're talking about here is a very highlighted, it's, a, it, it's what everybody should be doing, but yours is very highlighted. You're working with somebody one-on-one -on -one for a significant amount of time where there's this massive energy exchange. They're getting your good energy, but you're getting like, you, you're, you're engrossed in this. I'm just getting, I'm just getting bad. I'm just, yeah. I'm just getting sick. I'm exactly. just getting sick. Haven't, yeah. But that's a very uh, exaggerated version of probably, of what all of us go through, but it's for most of us, it's on a small scale. And it could just be the case that I, you know, have a interaction with a toxic person in the supermarket for three seconds that affects me, but I don't have the awareness that that affects me. So what I should be doing all the time, right? Which I do, I'm sharing this with everybody to find their own version is ground myself every day to meditate every day, Absolutely. to go into nature. I go surfing. I just put my, put my, my, my feet on the sand, whatever that thing is just to dissipate that small amount Yours is on a massive scale, right. but I like it because it's it's highlighting what is there for everybody. Absolutely, yeah. absolutely, and and it's there, but it's not. It's in what we do that changes our life. It's not in knowledge. Knowledge mm. equals absolutely nothing. It's in the doing. It's not thinking my way into right actions. It's acting my way yeah, into yeah. right thinking. I've said this before. I love this. Okay. Yeah. And catching, you can have results or excuses. You can have both. It's it's not negotiable. Mm. I, I get up every morning, Monty. I get up every morning at 3.30. 3.30 in the morning. I don't know. For others, they're looking at me like, good morning at 8 o'clock. I was like, good afternoon. Yeah. Three thirty in the morning, I I'm in the gym at four thirty in the morning. I train until sunrise is over Agum. I go home, I pray, I meditate. Do you have a smartphone on you somewhere? Okay. This, is, this is so good. But it's turned off. Oh, that's right? amazing. Those are the best. They work well, best when they're turned it's off. It's on airplane mode. Okay, airplane mode. I, I, t I tell this to everyone that I work with, okay? It's something that's huge, embeddedly huge within me. As soon as I pick this up, uh -huh. I'm disconnected. Yes. I am disconnected. And people talk to me about like, they, they follow some meditation on the smartphone. Nonsense, mm. nonsense. As soon as there's a blinking light here, my mind goes into the blinking light. There's a part of me, it's addiction. Yeah. There's a part of me that needs to respond right away. Or it's not, or if you got messages showing up here. But I mean, we, we, we would like to think that where most people would think, I'm not affected by that, <laughs> right? But 100%, it's, it's happening, right? Because you might not feel some overwhelming physical reaction to, you know, seeing your emails or seeing your Instagram, you know, likes or whatever. But for sure, hundred percent, that is if that is triggering something that's triggering something in you, which has you be addicted to that. This is all addiction. Yeah. Okay. Everybody is so caught up in communicating mm. with someone someplace else nobody is here no one's here everybody's sleepwalking 
You go out to dinners and you see couples sitting there doing this. Why do I need to take you out to dinner? (laughs) Stay home. I take myself out to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, man. I'm a happy guy. I'm, I'm not on that. Like, it's not connection. But what I'm saying more so to the point, the way I start my day, mm. there is no, yeah. it's, it's not even, it's not even optional. Yeah. Okay. Having said that, yeah, let's do a little test. Let's put them away for an hour, two, four, five, six, and you're going to go through detox, my friend. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. Guaranteed. Yeah. And I've said this on the show many, many times. Like one of the things that I, I, I turn my, I turn my phone off at night, like, one to two, at least one hour before I go to bed, at least, and then in the morning for an hour and a half, two hours. It's- we, we've touched on it. Everybody's constantly verbal diarrhea bullshit. It's verbal diarrhea bullshit. My thoughts, mm-hmm. 95.55555% of what I think is bullshit. <laughs> the other five is bullshit too. <laughs> It's nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense. And what am I doing with it? Yeah. Nothing. What am I doing? Uh, let me think about no. Wrong answer. Like the mind is not the captain of the vessel. Your soul is welcome to Bali. Mm. You see what happens to Indonesians or Balinese when they go into their head? They do this. They get a headache. Mm. They could stare into the nothingness forever. Silence is not silent. Yeah. It's full of answers. Yeah. But we've lost the ability to listen. And and where we're from, we are taught that that's wrong. Maybe not directly, but very subtly. Like I tell the example of the way that I uh, operate, operate <clears throat> I'm an ideas guy. Um, I do a lot of planning. I've got multiple businesses. And what I – how I get my results quite often is sitting there staring at the wall like and pondering, right? And I used to beat myself up at that because what would happen is I'd, I'd kind of like snap out and go, oh, shit, I've been staring at the wall for 47 minutes. And then I would beat myself up like, oh, I'm not being productive enough. I'm not hustling enough. But it's in the staring at the wall where my results would come from, right? And it took me a long time to, to embrace that and realize that. Right. And now that's just – To turn it into an asset, to accept it. We all are gifted, okay? We can focus on what's wrong in the world or we can focus on what's good in the world. The bottom line, if if I'm spiritually, mentally, so it's a spiritual, mental, physical, and if I may add, emotional disease. Mm. So when one is lacking, it's not just one or the other. They're all intertwined. Yeah. Okay. So if I don't take care of that, if I don't nurture that daily spiritual practice, mental, physical, and emotion, if I don't nurture that daily, I succeed, I, 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 I stop growing. I, I stop, I disconnect. Yeah. And, and it's like, you know, addicts are amazing in, in wanting the rewards are looking for the rewards for work they've never put in. Mm. There's a, there's an amazing saying here. I never want to have too many days and not enough years. Yeah. Or too many years and not enough days. You know? It's like clean time does not equal recovery. 
So what happens? Like a lot of people say, okay, well, I'm clean and sober for X amount of years, you know, and I'm doing this or I'm doing that or I stopped doing this. As a direct, what happens as a direct result of me not picking up a drink or a drug today, there are two things that happen. Number one, I have the freedom of choice, which I never have when I have one in me because mm -hmm. I know where I'm going. That's gone. So I suffer a spiritual death. The obsession and compulsion kicks in in my mind and in my body. And I suffer from the disease of more. Like one is too many. A thousand is never enough. And it doesn't matter how much you're going to give me. I'll keep going. Mm -hmm. When most of the people, normal people, maybe like yourself, you can have a half a line. Let me say, Blue, I've had enough. You can have a couple of drinks, say, Blue, I've had enough. As a matter of fact, if you're that normal, you actually hand me over the car keys and ask me to drive you home because you're already kind of dizzy. With me, it's like it doesn't end until I got five squad cars behind me and a chopper on top talking about, step out of the car, clutch <laughs> your fingers, put your hands behind your back, walk toward, don't turn around on the ground motherfucker that's how this shit ends and it's like it doesn't that's the part that so long as i don't pick up the first one mm. the only thing i get to do perfect here daily is not pick up the first one what happens with clean time is i have enough experiences in staying clean and sober she comes back into my life i stay sober i stay clean and sober she leaves my life I stay clean and sober. I go through pain, so much pain, but pain is my greatest, greatest teacher, pain and fear. Fear, fuck everything and run, false evidence appearing real, or face everything and recover, mm. okay? Having said that, those pain, there's so many different kinds of pains that I go through. I go through holding on pains, letting go pains, growing pains, um, Pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth. Mm. Where I'm in enough pain and I'm so sick and tired of my own bullshit. I was in that place many, many times, hitting bottoms in recovery, where I'm in a fetal position, crying blood, sweat, and tears, going, please, God, help me. I'm fucked. God's always there. It's me that strays off. Yeah. But if I, if I go to this higher power, like in times in times of peace, I train for war. If I go there in times of peace, I train for war. And in times of war, I pray for peace. So I go to him in my good days and I go to him in my bad days, acting my way to him, like throwing my flip-flops under the bed. And when I get up in the morning, I got to crawl under my bed. That's what I tell them. Crawl under your bed. Where do you flip-flops? Instead of... Crawl under the bed, under the web, the, the, the spider web and go, oh, fuck, help me. I'm fucked. And that's a prayer. But I acted my way under the bed already. So I'm in a surrender mode. And I'm going like, please help me live another day clean, you know. Mm. And stare that I, you know, I keep doing that daily. Despite if it's a good day, bad day, I can always reset my day again. I can always start my day again at any given moment. You know? Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I, I mean, I... I it's it's I think it's very difficult for somebody who has never been an addict to kind of comprehend, kind of, you know, even I, come I, close. I, I, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge believer that, you know, no addict can best understand and help another addict. Mm. It's in our literature. Yeah. I mean, I went to shrinks and I went to psychiatrists that tried to like 
understand me or label me or give me the right prescription or mm. there is not there is it's that connection yeah. like if 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 well that's why you're able to have such a massive impact with people because they can relate to you and you can relate to them and whereas probably you know in in the system so to speak if you're going to a rehab center or whatever it is it's like i mean you're working with a bunch of people who you can't relate to they can't relate to you and you can't relate to them and, so and, that- and under those terms as well and rehabs is what happens is because of the client and support worker boundaries as soon as i walk into a place you got a name tag on you i look at you as a cop yeah it's going to be me against you yeah. and I, and if there's a rule i'm going to break it that's the way I'm wired. And more so to the point, I'm going to go back to way back when I'm going to say, you know what, homie? Not even that I like my dad or dislike my dad or whatever. Let's do that. You're not my dad. That's where I go to. Yeah. If you got a badge, homie, you're not my friend. You know what I mean? <laughs> that, that's where we go. You yeah. know, it's fight or flight, fight or flight, fight or flight. And it's like, I'm going to a rehab, check this out. I'm going to a rehab, I'm sick. I, I'm so dope sick, dude. I don't sleep for two and a half, three months, you know? But all of a sudden I go there with that God, gift of desperation. I go there so beaten. I promise I'll do absolutely anything to never feel this way again. And two weeks later, <laughs> two weeks later, I got a problem with somebody because they didn't cook my breakfast, right? You get this? I'm like literally dying. Okay, literally, literally dying. I'm skin and bones. Last time I got clean, seven years ago, I was weighing 59 kilos, Monty. You look at my thing. There's pictures of me the before and after there that are just like, it doesn't even look like the same person. But that's on the external. Internally, I'm not the same person. You know, but like I say it all the time, I got problems in areas I never had areas before. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Let me ask a question. So the the work that you do with people when you're taking people through a process, you've obviously worked out, you know, you've unpacked a process that you take people through, mm-hmm. right? Talk us talk us through that process. Like, is it because it, it, it sounds like a bit of a journey that you you take people on, and it's maybe not what people might think. It's not what people think. Yeah. You know, I'm I'm quick to let people know. I will go through the depths of hell to fight with you. Uh-huh. I will fight with you. I'm not going to fight for you. I'm not. I'm not, dude. Um, and saying that, this is where I go. I volunteer myself straight into hell. Mm. Time and time and time again. Where I spend... 10, 21, or 28-day processes with people who are, I mean, that's that's who I get to to actually spend my time with, is the sick and dying. Mm. I don't get people in the beginning of their journey most of the time that come to me. I get people in the end of their journey that have done the jails and institutions, and they're like looking at me. When I look in their eyes, I see tombstones. That's what I get to see. The reality is, and a lot of the times there are cases where it's like, there was a little voice in me that said, you know what, maybe you shouldn't take this on. But it's always yes. Because if not me, who? Yeah. The sad reality is with all this happening, you know, is that as a direct result of this pandemic that we're on, 
the disease of addiction is roofed there went sky high mm. the ods worldwide and the direct implications that they have that that has you know on on society as a whole and, and nobody seems to talk about that yeah. you know you shut you know somebody that wants to come to bali and overgo a process with me or needs to because they're this is it dude it's like their family is is bidding go see this guy uh, he he can barely make it here to see me. I mean, how? Send him to Jakarta for eight days to sit in the hotel room by himself? Yeah. It's a death wish. What is he? He's not going to stay in the hotel room. If anything like me, I'm going to go out there and cop. And I'm in Indonesia, and a place where I can get the death penalty for. For it, it never stopped me, Monty. That's the mm. reality. I've used in Bali for many, many years. I've had both phones tapped. The cops actually called me and said, Mr. Blue, we're coming for you. Bring everyone. I didn't, I had no, nothing to lose. Mm. Every day, like every day when I'd come to, I'd be like, ah, oh, shit, not this shit again. The, literally, it, it wasn't like, yay, it's a part. Dude, the party left 10 years ago. I'm an isolated user. It's like, dude, I didn't see, I didn't interact with another human being for three and a half years. Mm. I didn't, the only people I interacted with is the going and getting and finding ways and means to get more. That's all. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You know, it's, it, there's a way out of this disease. Anyone, anywhere can recover from the disease of addiction. No one is ever too young or too old to recover. And we can exchange war stories. I'm not about all that. I'm about the solution. The bottom line is, is I have this amazing opportunity with everything happening on the face of the planet right now. And what I do is it, as I go into solitude, I enhance my relationship, my spiritual relationship. I keep trading. I take care of myself. And tomorrow I'm back up north. I'm teaching kids that their schools are closed. I'm teaching them English. No one's ever asked me to do that, but that's what I get to do. Mm. I got I get loved back to life by the innocent. I go to the hoods, I go to the places that don't have a roof over their head. And if they do, they got 15 souls in there. Yeah. And they're the most magnificent, beautiful smiles on the face of the planet. I go to the places with where less, I get so much more. Mm. So much more. I never was treated like that in Beverly Hills, nor did they want me. They'd call the cops as soon as I show up. You know, it's like, we're so quick to judge a book by its cover, you know? Addicts are not bad people, they're just sick people. And an addict in recovery is of sick people getting better. Mm. We do recover, that's the message. No one has ever, you know, the only promise in Narcotics Anonymous is freedom from active addiction. That's the only promise that we have. Yeah. yeah. Question, so, I mean, there are some countries in the world where, I mean, there's a lot of, debates, arguments, points of view about, you know, the legalization of drugs, the delegalization. But it's, from my understanding, the countries that where drugs are legally available have less societal problems. Now, I could draw my own conclusions about why, but, you know, from your point of view, why, why is that? What do you want to do when you grow up, uh, Blue? I want to be a junkie. 
come on, dude, I went to Holland, you know, and in Holland, they're the most liberal, you know, liberal, it's the most liberal country in, in, in Europe. And, and I basically, I mean, I lived three, three and a half hours away from there. Dude, you want to shoot dope, shoot dope. But if, but more so to the point, if you want to stop, the government will actually help you do that. Yeah. They'll offer you clean syringe and they'll offer you a clean environment to do that. And they're not going to look down at you. They'll yeah. offer you the services that you need. I think this, and this is, you know, especially in the, in the States, like you're saying with the prison system, exactly. it's like when you are looked down upon for being that, it just escalates the problem. Because you, you, you're in a cycle that you can't get yourself out of. Absolutely. Well, it's very difficult Absol to get yourself out of. Absolutely. No, you don't. I, no, I don't get myself out of. Yeah. I mean, I, I, run out of, I run out of places to hide, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm coming into a spiritual program and I see the, you know, the 12 steps of Narcotics Anonymous, Alcoholics Anonymous on the wall. And I see step three and it talks about the three-letter word God is there. And I was like, oh, hell no. I, mean, I went places where I didn't want God to find out where I was. Me and him, we don't get along. I don't even know what I'm talking about. But I have a resentment against that. A lot of people do. Yeah. You know, if it was a religious program, nobody would sit there. It's a spiritual program. That means it's wide open for anybody. If you have a religious background, if you don't, sect, denomination, uh, all of that... It, you get to find a power, a greater, a higher power of your own understanding. You can use mine, but at the, 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 the end result is I don't get to fix my thinking with my thinking, you know. And when I have a higher power working in my life, men of courage have strength. Men of faith have courage, but more so to the point, uh, when I have a higher power working in my life, my life becomes limitless. When I don't have a higher power working in my life, my life, my life becomes extremely limited. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I've got all sorts of things floating around in my head because the, the, the context of that could get you know, transferred to all, all sorts of things. And, you know, what immediately comes to mind is not that I'm against science in, in any, any regard, but I, I have people in my life that are so fixated on, no, this is science and this is the way things are. It's very limiting. It's very, li you, you don't, there's boundaries to where your thinking can be and how you live your life. And then you, you're just boxing yourself into an experience for your whole life. Okay, my experiences, my own experience, and the experience of many men that walked before me, okay, is there is not a drug, a pill, or a shot mm. that will ever make a life meaningful. There isn't. Yeah. And it even talks about it in our readings that science may one day accomplish this, but it hasn't done so yet. And even if science today would come up with a pill and tell me, here you go, Mr. Blue, you can take this and you can go drink like a gentleman. I wouldn't be interested yeah. in it. I wouldn't. Mm -hmm. It's my life is so full today. I'm surrounded by love today. And that's because of you, but you, that's your, that's yours. You own that. You created that. That's your power. That's from you. 
I am a huge believer that half of it is, but give, <laughs> let's give credit where it's earned. I'm here by a state of grace, Monty. Yeah. I'm just here by a state of grace. Yeah. It wasn't my best thinking that got me here. I am led by powers way greater than me. Yeah. Or you wouldn't have, I mean, you, I mean, you've gone through hell, like you've said, and you've, you've, you've lived in the depths of hell, but had you have not had those experiences, you wouldn't have the wisdom that you have now to lead people in a different direction. It's so much more than wisdom. It's empathy and sympathy. Uh, when we talk about smart people, like you've mentioned, it's the smart people that die here all the time. It's the dumb motherfuckers that get this. Mm. It's the ones that are so sick and tired of their bullshit and yeah. their knowledge. It's the ones that say yes. When I say yes, it's the beginning of an, an amazing adventure. When I say no, or I know, or yes, but, or no, but, dude, I'm just denying myself from any amazing adventure. Because do you want the million dollar question? Do you want to be right? Or do you want to be free? Yeah. The tip, one of the two. You can't be right and free at the same time. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's good. Very good. Um, so I want to thank you for coming on. Um, how do people find you? Instagram. They um, can find I, I recommend people go and check out the video. That video, it's like a five, five, six, seven minute video. You telling your story and what you do. So it's very emotional, very powerful. It's a really well done video. It really magnifies. I, I think it 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 uh, paints a picture of your story very very well. It's it's. Yeah, powerful. you can find it on BaliBlueRecovery.com. Yeah, you can find me on Bali Blue Recovery on Instagram, Bali Blue Recovery on Facebook. Uh, the videos that you mentioned on YouTube. That's B L U. B-L-U, Blue. Blue Dagon. Blue, Bali, Blue Recovery. Yep. Yeah, and um, two videos. One is Welcome to My Hell and one is uh, Journey into Recovery. Yeah. So, dude, I want to thank you. Yeah, I want to acknowledge you for the work that you're doing with people and, um, yeah, being so willing to have gone through the depths of hell and then, you know, be able to channel this into... <laughs> None of it was my plan. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah, be able to channel this into... <laughs> to actually really help helping people and shine a light on what's important and you know i feel like if there's a theme to this conversation it's that connection and okay. you know whilst yours is an exaggerated story i think there's you know little bits and pieces of that for every everybody and mm -hmm. hopefully it shines a light for for everybody so thank you dude i've yeah. got one final question for you sure. which i ask right. everybody if you had the one-time superpower of mental telepathy and you could Share a message with all 7.8 billion souls on the planet, whatever the number is now, one short, meaningful message that you could share with everybody. What would that message be? Well, there's a couple that come to mind right away. You don't believe in miracles? Come talk to an addict in recovery. Come talk to me. That's one and two. Don't give up one second before the miracle happens. Don't yeah. ever give up, you know, and just, you know, it's like no matter, it's always darkest right before dawn, you know, more will be revealed, you know. Is that why you get up at 3.30 in the morning? And I'm, <laughs> man, I'm the gatekeeper. You know? Yeah. <laughs> You're in there smashing that. it out. That's it. Yeah.
That's it. Thank you so much for coming Thank on. Thank you so much. Really for appreciate it. Me. Thank you. Yeah. Guys, go check out Blue. Um, follow the links to his website. Go check out that video and follow him on Instagram and do keep up the good work. Guys, thank you so much for tuning in. See you next time. Back down the rabbit hole.